Hello, and welcome back to Now Screaming, episode 105. I'm Evan Gulbertson. And I'm Liz Smart. And we're watching all the horror movies currently available for streaming on the internet. So you don't have to. This week, we'll be talking about the 1997 film, Wishmaster, which comes to us from Amazon Prime. This film was directed by Robert Kurtzman, written by Peter Atkins, and produced by Wes Craven. It is a tried and true horror lineage here with lots of little gems for horror fans. Oh yeah, it's like the platonic ideal of like a <laughs> late 80s, 90s horror movie to mm-hmm. me. I actually think it feels more 80s at times. I'm a huge fan of the 90s horror film. This feels, I think because of like the character design and a lot of various practical effects, it's really, for me, solidly in that like late 80s camp. Should we recommend this film to people? Oh, yeah. I absolutely would. I think it's like very, very fun. Yeah. This was your first time seeing it, right? It was my first time seeing it. Yeah. I had seen it once before. I watched it last year and had a good time with it. I will say that like I had a little bit of an existential crisis after this because I think that if you heard me at the end of of last week's episode, we rolled this on the roulette. I was like, I don't know if it's good, but it sure is fun. And watching it a second time, I'm like... No, I no, think it's good. It's amazing. It's amazing. I think that you prepared me for something that was going to be much more like garbage, but fun to just like put my eyeballs on. Like, I think you watched a movie recently. You described it to me as um, adult Halloween town that yes. I was just kind of watching it over your shoulder. And that movie was like, it looks amazing. And like, it's super fun to just like watch if you're not trying to take like pay attention to the plot. But your opinion was that, like, the plot was kind of garbage. Yeah, for anyone curious what movie that is, it's called Cast a Deadly Spell. It's on HBO Max, and it is absolutely adult Halloween town. Uh, and I think that's kind of what you prepared me for with this, was like, it'll be fun, but, like, don't expect it to be good. And I actually think it was good. Yeah, I mean, like, to be honest, it's kind of dumb. Like, this is a not a complex movie. The performances are broad. There's a This is the kind of movie that I think a lot of people who are not deeply immersed in horror would say is garbage, right? They'd like, they don't like it. They think it's cheesy and stupid. Maybe. The this is not a well-regarded movie. I should say this. Like, this is not a beloved, I mean, hmm. it's a franchise, so it has its fans, but this is not, I don't know, Hellraiser. This is not seen as a classic. Right, right, right. That's true. Yeah. I think that it's, the, the, the thing about it is that it, I would, it's very simple, but it's also complicated when it doesn't need to be. Yeah, it's rules don't exactly. I think the sense. rules and the lore, let's just like, yeah, set it up. Um, It is about a djinn. Yes. A, yeah, a, a genie. A genie. I've always been very fascinated by the djinn to genie sort of like mm-hmm. how it became that because I personally did not know about the concept of gins, like using that word more rather than genie until supernatural. Um, so it's funny now for me to go back and be like, oh no, that was like a thing that yeah. people were doing in the 80s and 90s was this idea of like a gin. Longer back than that. But right, yeah. sure. I mean like in this kind of horror specifically. Yeah. And gins grant wishes. Mm-hmm. That's what they do. The Wishmaster is yes. the uh, name of this movie. Um, do we want to talk about the rules of the lore because they are confusing? Well, they sort of develop over time yeah. because the first thing that we see is a flashback. Um, 12th century Persia. Persia, in which there has been a situation where the jinn was freed and the sultan king was trying yeah. to um, save his people. But in, you know, the in classic jinn genie way. Be careful what you wish for. Exactly. They always twist what you want, actually wanted. Um, very like monkey's paw. And... Um, 
That's his whole movie, by the way. I just to clarify for anyone who's, who isn't watching this, which again I recommend that you do if you want to have a good time. This is just to be careful what you wish for. I don't know a thousand times. Like that's yeah, just what it is over and over there's, again. There's only one situation that I would really consider the monkey's paw, um, which is that at one point somebody wishes for a million dollars and the djinn crashes the plane that his mother is on, so he inherits her like yeah. fortune. Um, I actually think it's um, life insurance. Yes, yes. Uh, that she, he's, he's, he's her beneficiary, and you yeah. see her signing his name as the beneficiary moments before she gets on this plane that blows up. That's the only one that feels to me like. But no, it's be careful. It's like you know, he grants wishes, and then but he grants them in a way that's always like well, specifically not for good for in you. exchange for your soul. We're getting all over the place. This opening scene that you're talking about, a sorcerer in the traps the genie in a gem where it stays until the present day. Yes. But there's something that's set up in that scene where it's like, if he'd gotten to the third wish, that's when things would have gotten really bad. Yes. And I also want to say about this first scene, this is an amazing way to open this movie because it really set the tone, which is that some sort of wish was made. I don't know what the wish was exactly, but that everyone in the, in the kingdom is having horrific things happen to their body. Yeah. Like, Someone had kind of a chestburster come out, but the chestburster is trying to eat people. And um, someone is turning into a snake and someone turns into like their skeleton forces its way out of the body. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so there's a lot of incredible practical effects happening in this first scene. Well, yeah, let's talk about this. So Robert Kurtzman is, I think this is the second movie he ever directed. He and Greg Nicotero and Howard Berger ran a makeup special effects studio called KNB, mm. who in the 80s and 90s were, you know, I mean, they worked a lot in horror, but just in all kinds of stuff. They um, they worked with Tarantino. They did the effects on Rob Reiner's Misery. A-list, top-of-the-line yeah. special effects studio. This is their baby. This is Kurtzman's baby. So this is, this opening scene with all of these things, like, there are throwaway makeup special effects, practical effects in this scene that are better than... You know, most horror movies right. even have in their whole, like, yeah. that are on screen for five seconds. There's that one woman who's, like, turning into a tree that I was like, wait, can we go back to her and have a whole movie about her, please? Like, it was fascinating to look at. Incredible design. It's part of what makes this movie so fun. There's, again, there's a bunch of horror jokes in it that we'll get to that I think if you're a fan of the genre, this is a rich text. But just watching, especially if you appreciate special effects and practical effects, just watching the stuff that they bring to life on screen. Oh, yeah. It's just, it's a feast. Absolutely. It's a visual feast. Mm-hmm. And that is 100% the reason to watch this movie. Sometimes this movie feels like a special effects reel with, you know, a thin plot. A very thin, lot, yes, know? I agree. Because it's about this genie granting wishes and like every wish is like a In new... In really very violent yeah. and terrible ways. Oh, this is a very gory and explicit movie. Yes. I think I said maybe last time, um, but when I first watched this movie, I said it has the... Uh, the pacing and emotional beats and writing of a Saturday morning cartoon, just mm-hmm. with lots of gore and, and profanity. Yeah. Because it's like, it's very broad. The villain is like uh, Freddy Krueger-esque at times. Extremely evil. Um, he alternates between looking like a person and looking like a genie. Andrew but even off, when by the he's way. Yeah, but even it. when he's a person, he has the most evil little smile and like this creepy little gravelly voice that he's doing. Uh and it's very broad, and I really enjoy it. It's a it's an incredible performance. Anyway, so we come to learn. I don't want to do this chronologically, but basically, once the genie is freed, which it is in present day, that's the plot of the movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, it has Through to, Robert Englund. 
Robert England and a drunk crane operator. A drunk crane operator. <laughs> drops the... This, like, priceless uh, statue. statue and there's on the gem is inside of it. Ted Raimi. Sam Raimi's Oh, yes. Uh, oh, my God. Brother. It's, and like, one step above a cameo, but, like, mostly it's still it's pretty, pretty much a cameo. Much a cameo. <laughs> um, freeze the genie in this red gem. Mm-hmm. Why does he... Because this is part of the rules and the lore that I didn't understand at first. He can grant it. In the beginning, it was like he can grant three wishes if you grant if, you, if he gives you the third one, world domination. Like all of his, he has like god friends who are going to come out and like yes. take over the world, right? But when he comes out, he's granting wishes left and right, like for everyone he meets. So what he has to do? Let's let's. Okay, I'll explain this, and then we should sort of. Do a better job with this plot. Yeah. What he ultimately has to do is he has to go around charging up by granting a bunch of individual wishes, like one-off wishes to a bunch of different people. Yeah. Until he's powerful enough to find the person who freed him and then has to grant their three wishes. And if he grants the oh. three wishes of the person who freed him, then he will rule the world. Right. What I was, what I was, what was interesting is that like when he comes out of the statue, he has not been freed yet. He's still trapped in this gem. The gem makes its way to, uh, it, it gets pawned, and then it makes its way to a um, auction, not an auction house, yeah, but like house. a, is an auction house? Yeah. A gallery that sells and buys rare Where items. Alex works. Alex is our protagonist. She's like the appraiser. She's an appraiser. She has a friend named Josh who likes her and- uh, He's a gemologist. He's a gemologist. And he gets her help. Dude does some spectral analysis on the gem. That's what frees the- Genie, no, who comes out as no. a baby. No, because then that would be that he was the one who freed him. The way that it happens is that her sister works at the auction house, calls her. She appraises it. When she's appraising it, she like, um, she like rubs it on her shirt. Is that what it is? Yes, because that's why that's why he's focused on her. Why does he not come out in, in his baby form until the thing explodes at the? I don't know, but wouldn't you think that if Josh was the one who actually freed him, it's something about that like. He is freed by her because he makes the machine explode. Yeah. So, like, something that she does. But again, okay, so this is... I'm sorry, the movie is telling you that she's the one that freed him because she's the one he's focusing on. Sure, but... He kills Josh. Uh, yeah, but again, he gets baby born. Sure. Fern Troyer is his baby form. I he does a great job, but I never want to see it ever again. It was anyway, truly horrifying. He grants Josh's wish as he's dying to make the pain go away, and that kills him. He does this a lot. I feel like, and then where he, he like someone is wishing for like the pain to stop, or like I never want to see your ugly face again, and he's like, oh well, in that case, you must want death, right? Well, let's talk about this. So the Jin's one move. Well, he has a couple moves. His main one is like. Make someone suffer and then be like, do you want the suffering to stop? Yeah. And they'll be like, yes. And then he'll kill them. And then he'll kill them. Like, he just wants them dead. And he's like, I got to kind of finagle a way to make this happen for myself. His victims. So, okay. So Alex is having visions of the djinn. The djinn is running around. Yeah. Every time he hurts someone, she like, she She sees it. it. The djinn is running around granting wishes. That's the movie. That's an hour of the movie. We'll talk about some other stuff. We're way off track with this plot. We're like. Well, it's confusing. I think that you're totally right to bring up that like. It's confusing that she's the one who frees him, but he doesn't actually come out as a existing creature until the machine blows up. The thing, so the way that he grants wishes, you don't have to say, I wish, 
You don't have to... You can literally just say yes to his leading question. Yeah. It's infuriating It to is me. nonsense. As someone raised on, you know, Disney's Aladdin, where the genie can't even save Aladdin from drowning... In case, like, it has to be phrased as a wish is, like, ridiculous to me. Like, it needs to be, like, I wish for this thing. Yeah. The way he can literally just be, like, do you want this? And someone can be, like, I guess. And he's, like, your wish is my command. <laughs> like, I think you're stretching the rules here a little bit, man. There's an old woman in this who specifically is, like, it's not like Disney movie. The djinn are everything we ever feared. They were created after angels, but before humans. Like, right. Specifically, it's like, fuck Robin Williams. There is a little... She doesn't like, say um, that. Just <laughs> imagine. There is a little, um, like, uh, card in the beginning of the movie, too, that says some of that. Narrated that A little bit of lore dump. Angus Scrim from Phantasm franchise. Yeah, this movie was really collecting... Everyone's movie. in it. Yeah, because Kane Hodder's in it as well. Kane Hodder's in it for, he's like a security guard. Kane Hodder, who plays Jason in, in several of the Friday the 13th movies. Um, Robert England, as we said, is a collector who was trying to acquire this pre-Islamic statue in the first place that mm-hmm. led to all of this. Um, he's sort of, he's a minor character, but uh, a party at his house He shows, being, yeah, um, he has the final set piece. Yeah. He's just a rich, you know. He's doing great though. Guy. Classic. Robert England's amazing. I think that Andrew Divoff's performance as the jinn and the human form of the jinn is perfect. It's and is the yeah. thing that makes, I mean, the practical effects are amazing. I think that the cameos are great. It's a lot of fun. It like takes this to a higher level. It yes. is my ideal, like mustache twirling villain, self-aware, mm-hmm. like I'm playing this broad villain performance Mm -hmm. he's got this gravelly voice he's so smarmy he's like such a douchebag and he's doing those classic like i love it when a bad guy in a horror movie like goes shopping yeah like he goes shopping i think that is hysterically funny i love it i love when it's like i'm an ageless being i've been trapped in a gem for centuries for eons i gotta go get myself a nice suit i just think it's so funny uh and he turns a lady into a mannequin He's like, wouldn't you like to live in this beauty forever? And she's like, it's so funny because, again, it's not something that she's clearly like, yes, that's all I've ever wanted. She's like, yeah, you know, now that you mentioned I'd it, love to be beautiful. that'd be fine. And he's like, oh, clear. Like, you know, it's just, it's so funny. It's a very, like, it, it honestly, it works for this character. Absolutely. Again, he's such a douchebag. Yeah. He's so egotistical and ridiculous Mm -hmm. there's a point where um later in the movie when alex who's by the way is played by tammy lauren who is fine and didn't really do a lot she's doing the job yeah she's fine they're bantering about how she's going to defeat him and she doesn't know that she's talking to him and he says something to the effect of uh you think you could pitch your tiny 20th century brain against one that walked the spaces between the worlds and trod the wings of angels beneath his concrete feet and it's like Dude, what? Yeah. Shut up. What are you saying? That that whole conversation is so funny too. There's like, she goes to do a lot of research with like multiple people. And because she's this appraiser, she's got like good connections. And this woman uh, who she's talking to, who at first is like, girl, there is no such thing. Like, yeah. stop. But then she goes to her house and we can kind of get the gist as viewers that clearly this is not the old woman. Like, it's the gin. He's being sneaky. But imagine that you just went over to this woman's house and she's like, you think you can defeat the all-powerful jinn, the greatest thing that ever lived? But it's this old woman saying this to you and you're like, uh... I mean, she figures it out, right? He's not... It takes way too long. There's a point where she's like, when are you... Since when do you become such a big fan of the jinn? And we're like, it's it's him. 
It's him, yeah. honey. What are, you, what are you doing? Also, uh, she, in this forum, keeps offering her, like, like, can I, are you cold? Would you like something to Which drink? I like- love the concept <laughs> of that. The idea that's like, are you cold? And if you were like, yeah, I am a little chilly, that it's like, would you rather be dead? And then he kills you. Like, that's, that's, that's his move. That's what he do. But he would warm it up and he'd be like, a girl wish has been granted. Exactly. Then you're like in the flames of hell. Yeah. Uh, he's crazy. He's nuts. I do enjoy it, though. You know what else he reminds me of, actually? I mm. said, I compared it to Freddy, but like he's a little bit like Venom, like from the Venom movies. Interesting. Yeah, because Venom also has that um, what's the egotistical sort yeah. of like, you think your puny brain is a match for me. Like, that's how he thinks. Also, sometimes when he quips, he's like, the shit just hit the fan. Yeah. <laughs> and I can add Eddie. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's exactly right. Because that's I enjoyed that so much about the gym that he like says fuck. He knows the F yeah, word. Yeah. So when he gets mad, he's like, Fuck this. <laughs> Fuck it. If you can't beat him, burn him, baby. Yeah. <laughs> that is like, that could be a line from Venom. Literally. For sure. <laughs> I don't know what to talk about before we get to the house. Like, uh, Alex coaches girls basketball. Yeah, she's got a whole thing like, about like, yeah, where she tells these, she's a, <laughs> these little girls just trying to play basketball. And she's like, she's a really intense coach. And she's yes. like, what is her thing oh, about stillness? Where she's like, yeah, yeah. you can't get the basket if you're not completely still it's just find you the stillness in the basket. there's nobody else you gotta take the shot so of course that's gonna come back in her final you she know she also plays tennis by the way she's very athletic yeah she, well, i actually was, i would say that's a huge part of her personality she seems very she's always got her little blonde bobbing ponytail yeah. and she plays tennis with her friend josh yeah uh, who is trying really hard to ask her on a date and she's saying no but then he dies and she's like wait a second maybe it was josh for me all along but that's later I said this earlier about the suffering. The other thing that he does is he's like, um, he'll scare you and then he'll be like, do you wish to be released from your fear? Yeah. Like, just released from your fear? Like, through death. You're scaring me. Yeah. Like, just stop. Just stop. And he's like, don't... no, but that's what I'm saying. He's like, would you like for me to stop scaring you? And you're like, yes. And he's like, then what you must want is for you to die. Because I'm you. not going to stop scaring yeah. you. So you have to die. It's incredible. I don't remember how we get to the final set piece, like why he decides it's going to be this party. Well, he's having this party. So the party was planned for the acquisition of this statue. So Robert England... Oh, but he's like, I'm still going to have the party, even though the statue has been cracked in half. Yeah, he plays a guy named Raymond Beaumont, and he specifically collects statues of forgotten deities, which I think is such a cool detail. Pazuzu's there, by the way. Pazuzu from The Exorcist is one of the statues. Amazing. Um, He, like, these, like, old gods, specifically. Um, And he was like, this is going to be... This great new addition to my collection. I have this party planned. I'm going to have the party anyway, even though the drunk crane operator destroyed it. I'm sad, but I still want to have people over. Tony Todd is the, uh, the Security bouncer. guy, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's funny because Kane Hodder is also like security. Yeah, he's security at the um, auction house. The, yes. The, yeah, the gallery. Yes. Gallery. That's the word I was looking for earlier. Yeah. Before they go to the party, two of Alex's wishes are, again, she has to make three wishes in order for the Wishmaster, the Jinn, to take over the world. The first one is... I wish to see what you are. Like, yeah, she try. I actually think it's pretty impressive because she does try really hard to outsmart him from the get. She's like, let me use my wishes wisely. Yeah, she knows. And so what she says is she's like, oh, I always tell my girls uh, to like know their opponent. So I would like to like really know. I want to like know what you are, what you really are to like understand that. But of course he twists it and he like puts her in his brain. Like a Clive Barker, like, hell dimension. Yeah, thing. but, like, what, whatever it's, like, where he, when he is, like, home. Yeah. When he, I think it's, like, when he's in the crystal. Yeah. Um, that makes sense because it's, like, red. And there's, like, all these other prisoners there. And she, like, can't get out. So she tries really hard to give him, like, a, 
a good question and he is is smarter than her at first like answers it but in the worst way for her so does she use a wish to get out yeah her second wish is like i want to be in my apartment without you like you're not there so it's very unfortunate she has to waste two like just on that which i think she learned nothing from like i don't think it actually helped her at all she also is worried about the well-being of her sister shannon who is being threatened by the wishmaster again like I keep calling the Wishmaster. Those, those, that word is not in this movie. No, no, no. It's just He's the just the djinn. The djinn, they end up colliding it at Robert England's party. Um, he imprisons her sister in a portrait. In a portrait. It's sort of a a flip of the opening scene in the the Persian... Castle. Yeah, party. I guess it's a party. It's like a... I don't know what kind of shindig it is. An orgy of destruction and transformation. Yes. So the last set piece is, again, just a special effects reel of all of this crazy stuff happening. Yeah, he makes a lot of, like, statues come to life. Yeah. And he imprisons her in this um, portrait of her being burned to death. Yes. But, which is how, like, I think she was, I don't remember how old they were when this happened, but Alex pulled her sister out of a burning building that killed both their parents. Um, at some point. So she's got this like trauma of the fire. And so he's going to burn her sister in this portrait. Like the portraits on fire. I don't really understand how he's also burning her to death within the portrait. The flames aren't moving. It's literally just a picture, but it's somehow metaphysically that she's also dying in the portrait. His powers are really complex. So like, it's a little bit like, again, it's Freddy Krueger-esque if like everything was the dream world because he can like shape reality. Yeah. Oh, you know who else is this? Is Candyman. Tony Tata's cameo. Like it's the same thing where it's like Candyman affects reality, not just perception, right? Like Yes. So Yeah, it's So it's, he can burn her to death in a portrait, even though we're not actually seeing her burn to death in a portrait. Like I I believe him. It's just interesting that like it's not like other things where, like, let's say a different version of this is yeah. that he holds up, like, a marble where he's trapped her. And in the marble, she's burning to death. Like, that would be something where it's like, yes, I'm affecting Absolutely. reality. This is like, look at this picture. It's a painting. It's not burning. There's flames that are drawn on. But he's like, look, your sister's in there. And you hear her screaming and the, fl- and the sound yeah. of flames. But her mouth isn't moving. It's just a very interesting decision to be like... Yes, I'm burning your it's sister crazy. to death in this painting, but it's not happening. But it is happening somewhere metaphysically. <laughs> yeah. My favorite sequence in this, in Beaumont's house, is actually much subtler. Alex is walking down this hallway, and there are these statues on either side of her. Mm-hmm. And again, she's witnessed the insanity that the djinn is capable of doing. And it's just these like cuts to her, like looking at the statues, and she's very afraid of them, and they're not doing anything. Yeah. Just the fear of these statues coming to life is enough to like really freak her out. And the movie I think handles that tension really well. Of course, after this, they do come to life and they start chopping off like a police officer. Is it police officers? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Their heads and like destroying them. But like the first sequence of Alex just being in fear of it is like really interesting in this movie that is mostly not scary and not trying to be scary. No. It's gross. It's over the top. It's unequivocally and a it's horror scary movie. for the people in the movie. But it's the just not. Yeah, it's not. It's not like um like any jump scares or like tension. Really. Yeah, there's just not a lot. Again, like grotesque, horrific things are happening, but it's not that kind of horror movie. Right. But I think that the the tension in the specific sequences actually works really well because again, she has seen the hells that the jinn can can invoke. Yeah, and she's just afraid of these statues because. Who she knows? Yeah, he yeah he brings things to life this way. Do you like how it resolves? It resolves. Yeah, she ends um, up solving it. I think that it was 
a good idea in concept. I don't necessarily think it was this, the right way to phrase it. What she ends up doing, and I think it is, again, it's absolutely brilliant the way that it happens because everything that he does in the present, if you're like, I would like to be released from my current present pain or I would like to stop feeling what I'm feeling now. That's how he's able to twist what you're asking for. What real, she does. Real, real quick. And specifically, he's doing all this. He's like wreaking this havoc because he wants her to make the third wish. He's right. like, these people are suffering. You need to make your third wish so I can be king of the world. Yeah. Make your third wish. And like, try you to watch save you. all these people suffer? Right. Save like, your the sister? Way that he, like, save your sister, I think, is the big one. It's like, he's I'm actively torturing her in the way that has already traumatized you, which is that I'm burning her to death. Uh, you have to save her. But it's also like, okay, if you save her, these other people are going to suffer. And... Obviously, the biggest conundrum is like, okay, sure, you save your sister in the moment. I'm going to take over the world and you're all going to die. Yeah. So she really has only one option and I'm glad it's what she did because it's kind of what I was thinking as well, which is to undo all of it, to basically go back in time. Yeah, she says, I wish Mickey Torelli wasn't drinking on the job three days ago. ago. And I think that that is a, the second it happened, I was like, fun, very fun to say I wish like it's it's a great it's a very dramatic moment right where he's like what is your third wish and she and like it all stops and she's like like she gets the look on her face like she's she's having the stillness moment yeah. where she's be she's being still and she's really thinking about like the series of events that have happened and she finally lands on like what if I just stop all of this from happening in the first place but the way <laughs> You have to be way more, in my opinion, you need to be really specific and intentional. And I said immediately out loud, what if Mickey Trelli is just a terrible crane operator? He doesn't need to be drinking to fuck up this statue situation. Like the better thing would say, like, I wish Mickey Trelli didn't drop the statue. Yeah. Right. Like that's more specific. That is like, he has to. Or even like, I wish that you had not been released from the gem after like Mickey. Like- right. Like something, something that he has to answer extremely specifically that he cannot get out of. Because to me, I wish Mickey Torelli wasn't drinking. Why can't he just like kill Mickey Torelli? Or, yeah. You know what I mean? Like there's, there's a million other ways to me that this gin could be like way to waste your final wish and have it be that Mickey Torelli like wasn't drinking, but then the, the genie like, or the gin um, like knocks another guy into him and the guy like, and then the crane operator still like smack. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it's so, it's a good zinger in this movie, but it's not a good, it's not actually to me a good solution to this problem. And I think this is maybe why, again, some people who are less generous, like don't think this is a good movie. Cause like, it's a little bit of a plot hole. If it's like, I agree. If he if he up to this point has been twisting every like single wish, the lore, lawyering of specific yeah, words. That this time he's like, no. <laughs> it's like, okay, wait. Is he really good at twisting or is he not? Yeah. So I think that is a, a problem. So that's the end. That the- it's more, yeah. Well, then we go back in time. Everything we get the sense that she remembers, right? Yes. Because she like goes to Josh and she kisses him. And he says something like, oh, like, what got into you or something? And she just kind of is like, oh, you know, wink. It's a weird ending. It's a weird ending because when it happened, I actually had you rewind it because she winks. She gets this kind of look on her face like, (laughs) and then it like goes into the, like, it goes into the statue. You see the statue in in Beaumont's Beaumont's house. house, goes inside of it. You see the gem. It goes inside the gem. You see the gin on his throne. And then it ends with like a laugh. Yeah. And I was like. So wait, is he like 
Why is he laughing? He's imprisoned. But then I'm like, oh, did he possess her? Like, what is happening here? So I think that, like, the last 20 minutes of the movie are really involved in, like, being quippy and fun more than they are making sense. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's, like, uh, an unfortunate kind of fault because it's confusing when those things happen. It didn't affect the whole vibe of the movie for me, which is, like, very positive, and I really enjoyed watching it. I'm really glad it was you know, what we watched this time that we rolled it. Um, But I do have a problem with what I think is like a really fun thing for most of it, that the genie is like really smart. He's, he's smart and he's ruthless. So like he doesn't obey his own rules. He's such an asshole. He gets out of every situation. Mm -hmm. So it being like he loses at the end, but he's still laughing. Like, I don't get it. Again, this is what for me makes it feel like a Saturday morning cartoon. That it's like the stakes don't really matter. The evil is defeated, right? Like, but he's still like, I'll get him one day. That's what I'm saying. Like, yeah. it's just like it's got this jovial energy that I think again really works for me, but is undeniably silly. Yeah, and right? doesn't really make sense. And it doesn't matter, you know, in these thirty minute cartoons, right? Like, that's sort of how children's entertainment is. It's Absolutely. just like, I'll get you. I do think every Saturday Saturday morning cartoon villain is like, well. Next time. Like, I do think that's, like, fundamental to the... Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> that, uh, you know, structure. I think this movie's pretty well directed for, uh, you know, special effects guy. There's I Dutch angles out the ass, just, like, And all a lot of, of like, angles. um, a lot of, like, someone on their couch writhing in pain as, like, visions flash through their head. Like, a lot of Alex just being like, ah, oh no, my brain! Yeah, the crossfades are kind of nuts sometimes. Yes, exactly. We talked about a bunch of the cameos. Um, Tom Savini's in this briefly. George Buck Flower, who's in a bunch of John Carpenter movies, is a homeless man in this. A bunch of the names are references to horror and sci-fi writers. Beaumont, Finney, Etchison, Clegg, Derleth, Merritt, and Aikman, apparently. That's fun. Yeah. Again, this is just like such horror fan service from people who literally work in the industry calling on their friends to appear in this. Like, yeah. I, I really appreciate that about I it. I love that about it. There are like three sequels and I have seen none of them. And yeah, I want to watch them. I'm kind of interested in watching them. Yeah. I love this movie so much. Again, despite its silliness and its jankiness, like. I still like living in the world and experiencing it. It's just a good horror, like, like for horror fans. I agree. Right? It's just fun. Plus I love franchises. Yeah. I think that they like always allow just a little more room for like really exploring what this world can do. You want more gin lore? I do. And I want and I want more funny little ways that either the gin twists people's wishes or the heroine or hero twists their wish. Like I just I think that's very fun. I think it's like, that's always something that I'll enjoy doing, even if it's done badly, honestly. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, the director of Wishmaster 2 was uh, Jack Shoulder, who directed Nightmare on Elm Street 2. So Oh fun. I, I expect it to also take a weird hard left turn and be kind of gay. That's what we <laughs> expect. Like That's what we Street expect too. from this man. I love it. Are you ready to uh, mutilate this with living piano wire? I knew you were going to bring up the piano wire and I love it. That really traumatized me. Yes. So I think we're going to call our shot. No we roulette? Have, no roulette. We haven't done a holiday episode in a couple years. Since our first? No, no, no. Oh, no. We did one last year. It was not last year. Was it? It was last year we did... Um, Rare Exports? Yeah. I thought that was two years ago. It was last year. Never mind, we're not doing a holiday episode. <laughs> no. Uh, Liz has never seen the original Black Christmas. I have not. It's... I've only seen the remake, and I, even at the time when I was watching it, 
when I didn't have the horror knowledge I have now, I was like, this movie is the worst. Have you seen both remakes? Oh, yes, I have. There was one a couple years ago. I hate that one, too. Bob Clark's original, Black Christmas, is on, let's see if I can do this off the top of my head, Shudder, Prime, Peacock, and Tubi, I think. Oh, I think it's Criterion Channel. And Criterion Channel, yeah. So if you have any of those services, you can watch Black Christmas, which is a horror classic. The proto-slasher, Halloween, is a total ripoff of it. Uh, I'm so excited to watch it. What year was it? 74. Nice. Love it. Get in the Christmas spirit. The slasher about... You'll find out. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I was going to tell you, but... You know. I don't know anything about it. The only thing I even remember from the remake is uh, there's someone in prison and he is like licking a candy cane so much that it becomes sharp. And that's how he kills that his prison guard. so stupid. I, we, that's we, the beginning of the movie. I'm just telling you. Let's talk about all three Black Christmases next time. Be I actually would. And I think that's a great idea. So Black Christmas will be our next episode. Back to the holiday. I'm sorry that I was wrong about when we did Rare Exports. <laughs> Did we like Christmas Horror Story so many years ago? I, I don't remember anymore. I remember. It was like very vignette. Remember? There's like yeah. five different stories. I liked like one or two of them. And okay. William Shatner's in it. Yeah, I remember that. He's like a radio He's guy. a radio announcer. He's like, he's not really part of any of it. He's just sort of the um, overarching, describing what, what you know, Christmas yeah. is. I don't know. I can tell you, this will be, from my perspective, our best Christmas horror film that we've done so far. I, I hope love that you that. agree. I would be shocked if you didn't agree i would also be surprised because we haven't done any real we haven't done any classics i would say no no silent light deadly nights no no christmas evil there's so many no we debated talking about a bunch of uh potential christmas movies that we could we always have next year and the year after that there'll always be christmases to (laughs) get scared and horror movies so check out black christmas i i promise you won't be disappointed unless you hate 70s slasher movies in which case i don't really understand what you listen to this podcast uh (laughs) But until next time, you can check us out on our website at nowscreaming.com. And on Twitter and Facebook at nowscreaming. Be sure to leave us a rating and subscribe and like and tell your friends and all the wonderful things that help our podcast reach more ears. Yes. And come talk to us on Twitter, as usual. Let us know what you think of Wishmaster. Yeah, if anybody's seen the sequels and like wants to steer us away from that, you should do that Or Taurus, if you're like, no, they're amazing. I think we're probably going to watch them. Unless someone really stops us. Yeah. Unless we're, you know, chained down. Thanks, as always, to Wes Craven for letting his name be slapped on this movie. Uh, His executive producer credit, uh, he was not involved in this. He was very busy with Scream 2 at the time and getting music of the heart off the ground. Literally just, he was a hot property, licensed his name for this. It, It helped this make its budget. It really does bring something to it that's like, this man's name is on this movie. Absolutely. Wes Craven's Wishmaster. He gets credit for it all the time. He was not involved at all. That's so funny. Uh, But again, it made triple its budget. And it actually is perfect because there's so many horror cameos and references in it that it's like, what's just another one? Just slap Wes Craven's name on it. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love it. Thanks for letting your name be on this uh, so that we could get more Wishmaster movies. And so that just add a little piece of fun to this little uh, treasure trove of of Easter eggs. All right. Until next time, everybody, be careful what you wish for. And (laughs) And stay stay spooky. spooky.